This show is brought to you in part by GoDaddy.com. Get $96 in free extras with your domain name from GoDaddy.com. Each domain name includes free hosting with a website builder, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a listener of the World of Warcast podcast, enter code WARCAST, that's W-A-R-C-A-S-T, and save an additional $5 off any order of $30 or more. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Podcasting to all of Azeroth, this is World of Warcast. I am Starman. And I am Renata. And you almost started. Yeah, because I forgot about the other episode, 85. <laughs> this is actually episode 86. Because episode 85 was the episode that you did with Veronica and Scott that I wasn't able to attend. Yes. Which is unfortunate. And I couldn't get Scott and Veronica together either. No. Well, the it, problem it, is when you've got so many people who are so busy... Yeah. Getting everyone together at the same time is next to impossible, especially mm-hmm. right around a holiday weekend. Yep. We tried doing three hosts at one point, which just wound up being a total disaster. Just yeah. Couldn't, could not do it. I mean, frankly, coming up with times that both of us can do it sometimes is more than enough hassle mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine trying to coordinate three people on a regular basis. Yeah. If anybody hasn't noticed over the years, uh, Ren and I alternate based on even and odd episode numbers. Right. So if you're wondering if there's a rhyme or reason to that, there you go. Yeah, because <laughs> I was going, wait a minute, it's my, you started the last, no, you started the last one that we did together, but I do the odd numbered ones and mm. Starman does the even numbered ones, which is why I got temporarily confused. <laughs> so so I, I am drinking my tea out of a true relic what is right that here this is a northrop b2 first flight palmdale to edwards air force base 17 july 1989 wow. this cup will be 10 years old sometime well it's next friday week from today huh coincidentally my birthday but um, my my father-in-law was one of the lead engineers on the uh, lead, ele- lead electrical engineers on the B2 project, oh. which is why I have this classy mug that I am drinking my tea out of. I don't have it here. It's at work, but I have a, I have a Star Trek mug. It's Sorry, a nice is, one, too. I know. I know. Yours this is, is a, more a, impressive. More, this is more impressive and prestigious than my little you know, Enterprise mug. Right, but uh, it's very cool. It's a very cool mug. It is very cool. So, so what have you been up to? I have been busy at work, as always. Mm-hmm. I, we rated, we did a really good job. I mean, we had a couple of problems last week. We rated all the way up to uh, the general. In? In Oldwar. Okay, for those. Second, second to last boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't kill him, which is unfortunate. Uh, we were having some problems. the The main tank was dying. Some people were dying to shadow crash, and it, it just wasn't good all around. We were, mm-hmm. It was funny because the week before, with the same group of people, we one shotted all the bosses all the way up to Freya. It's either I think it's Freya. She's the one all the way in the back in the jungle. I think we one shotted all the bosses all the way to her, and then we stumbled a bit the second day. But this week, this past week, wasn't so good. Mm. Eh, live and learn. Other yeah. than that, I was. if anybody reads my blog or reads what I've been saying on Twitter, I played Aeon or Ion or however it is that you pronounce it. And I'm not going to go too much into it because I wrote eight pages on my blog about it. But when I play other games, it's just instinctive. I compare them to WoW. Because WoW is the 800-pound gorilla. And, for example, with, like let's say, Star Wars Galaxies, I went, eh, too much micromanaging for, for my taste. Final Fantasy XI was too slow. I think that pre- does it, that doesn't predate WoW, does it? I can't remember. But playing this game, I didn't want to leave. 
And when I played Warhammer, I just, I just, I just could not stand it anymore. I was like, get me out of this game. I was like, I'm done with my free 30 days. I'm done. Yeah, I, I kind of had the, what do you mean I'm still only level 6 issue in, in Warcraft, or in, in Warhammer. Warhammer. I just, you know, and I was I was the same way. I was kind of like, how much longer do I have to play this game before I can say I gave it a fair shot? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, no insult to anyone who likes the game. I, the, the reason they make so many different games is because different people like different things. Yeah. But um, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about Aeon after our news. Yeah. Uh, but that's all I'll say about it now. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it later, so I don't want anybody saying, oh, it's going to be an Aeon cast. No. No, but no. at the same time, I, I think that just for points of comparison, it's it's an interesting topic of discussion because looking at what, other, you know, the thing is, is that one of the reasons that I think WoW has been so successful is that it was able to address some of the problems that came up in other MMOs. Yep. It in some cases, it's not always the best thing to be the first guy out of the gates. Right. Sometimes it's better to be the guy who watches the guy out of the gates and see what holes he falls in. So first mover advantage doesn't always help in these sorts of things. It's often the second or third guy who learns from the first or second guy making the mistakes. Right, right. Um, so I think, you know, it can be useful to talk about other games and, you know, you use... You said to me earlier that um, Blizzard had better watch out with this game. Yeah. And uh, so that'll be an interesting discussion. Um, I've played some. Mostly I've been, lately I've been playing my Shadow Priest, who I finally broke down and dual-spec'd. So she's now both Shadow and um, Discipline. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had that much chance to try Discipline simply because what Discipline priests are really good at, supposedly, is AoE grinding. And mm-hmm. I really just haven't had the opportunity or the right place to try this out yet. Because mostly what I've been doing is quests that are kind of single targety, And I'm still more accustomed to doing that in shadow form than I mm. am accustomed to doing it in, in Discipline. I'm sure that'll change. I, I will give it a fair shot. I'm told that AoE grinding on a disciplined priest is a whole new level of fun, <laughs> which uh, I'm, I'm rather looking forward to. But mostly it's just been, she's level 73 now, mm-hmm. and I got most of her level 72 doing fires. Okay. Now, this character is not some a character that I do achievements on. If the fires had not given her... With the heirloom shoulders, at level 73, desecrating fires were giving her 22,300 experience. Wow. And uh, honoring fires was giving her 11,650 experience. Huh. So, if it wasn't for that, I mean, I didn't care about any of the other things with her. The only character that I have that does achievements on purpose is my rogue Mm -hmm. and i did it that way for a reason i told myself only maggie cares about achievements my other characters do not care or else i know what would happen i'd just get sucked into doing achievements 24 7 Mm -hmm. and i just don't i just don't have time for that I, i don't have nearly i don't have as much time to play uh, this game as I used to, and I was playing another game this week a little bit. <laughs> what game? I was uh, Galactic Civilizations Two. It's it's not an online game. Well, it can be. They they have a metaverse thing, but mm. um, for the most part, it's it's a, it's a single player Civ game. It kind of reminds me of the old Masters of Orion Two. Oh, I remember that game. More sophisticated. Now, I remember when Masters of Orion 3 came out. It was being handled by a different group than did Masters of Orion 2, and much of it was developed open source, and to be honest, it sucked. Mm. I was very, very disappointed. I couldn't even figure out how to make the interface work on that game. Wow, that bad? That bad. 
but um, Galactic Civilizations 2 is, is, is a lot of fun. It's, it reminds me of all the good parts of Masters of Orion 2. And best yet, as I said on Twitter, it, it meets my criteria for a good game in that you really need a spreadsheet to manage the data. <laughs> so you're Which, into that sort of thing, huh? I, I actually like having to, you know, I've got these this spreadsheet that I, I made up that where I, I list, you know, the different planet assignments that I made and where the points are for all the, the mining resources and exactly where they're located and what rally points are assigned to them and what planets are assigned to, to tending which bases. And, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that I actually kind of enjoy. I used kind of, again... I'm unprofessional. <laughs> in, it's an inside joke between us. Yes, it's a little inside joke about uh, professional writing. Never use kinda. I learned that today. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> um, but the Twitter led several of my panicked friends going, "Oh my God, you're not playing Eve online, are you?" I was like, "No, no, don't worry. <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite that that hardcore." Yeah, some people have been trying to get me to play that, and I've had my eye on it for a while, but uh, I don't know. I, I have nothing against it. I, I did not hear a single bad thing about it. It's just my um, – I just – I don't know if I would like it because it's it's just not fantasy, um, you know, fireball and swords and shields, so I don't know if I would like it. Well, that, that's kind of my issue as well. The reason that I like Galactic Civilizations is because it's a Civ game. Mm -hmm. The fact that the milieu is space is secondary. It still has the same, a lot of the same ideas that the, the, the Civilization series had. You know, you, you don't win necessarily just by having the biggest lasers and, and having the biggest bombs with which to fire at your enemy's planets. Mm. It's about it can be about influence and culture and uh, diplomacy and out researching people. You know, there's it, a lot of other ways to wait. I, I don't tend to play the real hardcore, you build up my ships and go shoot them up kinds of games. I, mm -hmm. like, I like to come up with different ways to, to win other than that. And people say, well, that's just because you're a girl. It's like, no, because going in and <laughs> shooting them isn't really that much of a challenge. It's much more interesting to come up with different ways to win the game. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it happens to be in space. Now, some of my favorite old games have been in space, like um, Star Starflight. Starflight? Starflight? You played Starflight also? I loved Starflight. Oh, I still have the wheel. You do? Yes. I had, okay, so let me do a little history lesson here. I'll, I'll make this short. Starflight was this little game. It was by Electronic Arts, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. It was one of the very early PC games. Yes. And it was the very first game that I ever bought where you open up the, the little... Um, for those of you who don't know... Published in 1986. Yes. Some of our listeners weren't even born when this game was made. <laughs> The game came in uh, Electronic Arts games came in this little slip case um, mm -hmm. because uh, you bought them on five and a half inch flop, five and a quarter inch floppies. Right. And so, in one sleeve, if you think of a double album, double vinyl album, one side was the discs, You've the other side yourself. was this map. Yes, I know. <laughs> We're talking about Starflight, so okay. Yeah. There was this massive map that came with it, and and a wheel. Um, it was one of those wheels where you like you had to line up one and then you would get a, a word in another. And you would essentially go around the galaxy fighting things and making allies and enemies and mining. And, and you, you tell the rest because uh, there was so much of this game. You also had to catch – you could catch creatures also. Oh, that's right. And they were, they, they were coded by – their aggressiveness and their intelligence. So remember, like the, the monkey sharks, you really had to watch out for the monkey sharks because they would just tear you apart. But they were like, you know, there was uh, sheep was one of the aggressive aggression mm -hmm. um, listings, and there was this race called the Spemen. 
And the oh, spemmen were yes. these kind of potato-shaped creatures that would say things like, you know, oh, please don't kill us. We'll, we have wives and blobbies back home. And there was a, there was a plant race that, um, that was warring with a, the Elwyn, which were, no, it wasn't the Elwan, Elwan, who were, who were warring with the Thryn, who were a, a dinosaur race. So if they ever asked you, have you partaken of head fruit, which was eating the head of the Elwin, you always said no to the Elwin. You've never partaken of head fruit. That meant you ate one of them. Hmm. And there was a, there was a bug race too, the Veloxi, I think. Yes. But this was one of my very first, real early PC games. And, I mean, it, it sucked up six months of my life when I was in college. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a very good game. They did come out with Starflight 2 where the, where the Spem and the, the Potato Guys had taken over the universe and uh, you, you were having to fight the Spem. You had but, to fight the Potato Fries? Yes. Potato guys. So, so you never fries. heard "Do you want fries?" with that because then you no, just get no, yourself no. killed. Well, I don't think they were made of fries. They, they were, I don't <laughs> think they were made of potatoes, but they looked like potato. The way they were drawn. I mean, this is very crude art. I remember how they were drawn. Yeah, they yeah, were, they were, it was they, crude. Well, it was three three twenty by what two forty. Something was the like that. Of our PCs back then three twenty by two forty or yeah. Well, so they three twenty by one ninety two. This was originally a DOS game. Okay. Yes. So, you know, and then it says, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. It says, a computer game published by Electronic Arts and developed by Binary Systems. Originally developed for DOS and Tandy. It was later released for the Amiga, Atari ST, Macintosh, and Commodore 64. So it was, it was also, it, it had a... 64? Yeah. It also, one of the things I also liked about it was one of the first games that had a real sense of humor. I mean, beyond the mm -hmm. Steve Jackson games. Or Infocom, it had a real sense of humor. Like one of the things that you had, you had a capacity of fifty in your cargo, which you couldn't change. And there was this thing called a red herring that was worth like billions of credits, but it was fifty-one, and so you couldn't pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after this drum, trip, drum to, trip down. Nuts memory lane yeah but i'm sure that there's other people going oh my god i played that game anyway news back I to play wow Starflight again okay back to wow oh what do we have we have a lot of, if anybody knows if you've been reading a lot of the websites or, or just listening to what people say in general chat the 3.2 patches imminent yes okay not really it could be like two or three weeks i'm i'm still I'm still guessing early August, but maybe maybe last week in July. The changes, yeah, there's so many changes that this is not something that's going to be patched soon. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, you sent me some notes today that were just installed today on the PTR. Some of, yeah, some of them were just went on the PTR today. Actually, they were pushed to the EU PTR. They're always pushed to the EU PTR first simply because the time differences. Mm-hmm. So some of these haven't even gone live to the U.S. PTR, but they will by the time they will have been live for a couple of days by the time we get this this show out. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the big ones is that they're they're extending IDs on dungeons and raids. Huge. Um, not across the boards. This is voluntary. Mm -hmm. In order to allow for parties and raids to progress their instances at their own pace, players can now extend a dungeon or raid ID on an individual basis. So it says here, the ID of any instance to which a player is saved can be extended. Doing so will extend the lockout period by the same amount of time as the original lockout. So, for example, Alduar is seven days. Heroic Calls of Lightning will be 24 hours. Zulgarab would be uh, three days. But... Extension can be reversed on an individual basis, provided the player does not do anything in the instance during the extended lockout period that would save that player to the instance. So, yeah, if you've done anything, which, you know, involves pretty much anything, killing a boss being number one among them, that would save you to the instance, then you mm -hmm. are committed for the next lockout period. But I can see this being very popular Maybe not so much for the seven-day instances, but 
you know, I remember being back, thinking back to, say, the last expansion to um, Burning Crusade. I know that we probably would have been very grateful to have the opportunity to extend the ID on Karazhan a few times. Oh, sure. When we were, you know, when, when it was early on. And I think that for guilds that are having problems getting through the content for one reason or another, people aren't geared up quite enough, they're not experienced, they're, you know, they're struggling in one, having a little extra time to do things within the lockout or for, or for guilds where, you know, they're not raiding three, four, five nights a week. Mm-hmm. They're only raiding once or twice a week. This would allow them to get past the early content and get a little farther into a dungeon and, and see more. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, this is this is definitely a nod to the casuals. It doesn't change anything. I don't think it changes anything as far as the progression-minded guilds are concerned. It doesn't affect them in any way. Nope. But I no. think, well... I can see that some of them would complain, say, well, yeah, anybody could get to, you know, name, end of boss <laughs> if you, you know, just just extend the lockout long enough. Yeah, so what's wrong with that? It still won't happen, you know, within the period of time that, that your uber uberness can go through it. Well, I don't know if Blizzard designs these dungeons, these instances, to be done in seven days anyway. Right. Is seven days an average for uh, an average guild? I don't know. So, I mean, seven days is just a number. Right. It could be three days. It could be 14 days. It just happens to be seven days. Well, and as I said, I think that it's an issue with some guilds of how many days a week are they putting aside for rates. Mm-hmm. With We're some doing guilds. Three. Yeah, with some guilds, it might be one or two. I know that our guild has right now has two dedicated raiding days and in the summer especially we're having trouble filling sometimes just because people are off doing other things or Mm -hmm. they're on vacation or they're you know off visiting people or they're going to barbecues in other words real life Mm -hmm. and um i just think that this i think this is kind of a a nice option that that people can use now, it is going to cause some issues for, for some people, I think, where, you know, if some people say, oh, I can't do that because I'm still on lockout from this other extended one. So it may it may cause some coordination issues. Yeah, though I don't know why they would be on an extended lockout if they're doing things as a group, as a raid group, like in Alduar. Why would one person be extended and everybody else is not? If I'd they're th- raiding with more than one guild. Yeah, but then they would, uh, yeah. We have that situation in the collective, yeah, I because see the collective is not a single guild. It's it's what um, my uh, my friend Tuik calls a meta guild. Mm-hmm. We actually have a lot of people from different guilds who raid with us, and do it under the collective's rules. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, literally, we go into a raid, there may be, you know, if there's 25 people, there may be 10 different guild tags. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's just the way we operate. So, for, you know, for guilds like us, but we're unusual in many ways. <laughs> and um, for guilds like us, I can see where that, that could be a coordination issue. But yeah. people would just need to be aware of that and, um, and act accordingly. New heirloom item, a book that will allow cold weather flying at level 68. Now, this is an heirloom item, so you have to get to level 80 in order to, to buy this. You could buy it for your alt. It's going to cost 1,000 G, and then your alt can have cold weather flying at level 68. I think this is very, very good. Yeah, this is this is meant to help out people who are trying to level up alts. Mm-hmm. And what this does is it deals with something which is made no sense to me and which they are fixing to some extent is this between this and the changes that they're making to what level you can get different different flying at mm-hmm. but right now as it stands pre 3.2 i mean my priest who is now level 73 
has never bought fly, uh, flying mount skill, has never bought a flying mount. Mm-hmm. Why? No reason to, because at level 68, she went into Northrend. And she can't fly there till 77. So why bother? Hmm. It made, you know, the flying mount totally useless for seven levels. This will be, now I'm not sure when 3.2 will come out, but this will be very cool. Now, one of the things this does differ from other heirloom items is that the book is consumed upon use. So you can't just buy one and pass it around to your alts. They have to be level six, you have to be level 80 to, to buy it, as Starman said. They have to be level 68 to read it. But instead of like another heirloom item, which is not soul-bound and they can mail to another character on your account, this will consume. So it's not like you're saving money by doing this. You buy one book and pass it around to everyone. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. Mm-hmm. You're gonna to have to spend a thousand gold, and it is not uh, it is not affected by faction. Mm-hmm. That has also been confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that is important to notice is that you need, to, in order to mail this to a character, it must be on the same server, on the same account, and on the same faction. This is the part that bums me out because I do have a couple of alliance alts on Whisperwind. And I can't buy the cold weather flying book with my orc and send it to my Draenei. Yeah. I just kind of well, a bummer. You can <laughs> you can make your orc a Draenei now, the other way around. I, well, I don't want to, but um, <laughs> I know you don't want to. But that's another that's another thing. We'll talk about that after the three point two changes because the faction change is not going to be introduced in three point two. Mm-hmm. but it is announced for later. Both flying and land mounts will have their cast time reduced to 1.5 seconds. In the old patch notes, it seemed to only be appearing to, to apply to ground mounts. Mm-hmm. Which is good, because yeah. I always thought that took too long. Yeah, me too. It'll be huge this in will PvP. Be, I was exactly what I was going to say, is where you'll see... It's, it's mildly annoying in PvE, mm-hmm. but... Remembering how coveted the bro- remember those enchanted brooms from last yes. Halloween? Yes. They had an instant cast um they were they were instant cast. So you just hit it and go. I was playing on Venture Company when that when that was going on and I I got the cheap 14 day broom and I was in heaven cuz I could just zoom and off I'd go. That's the faster mount Speed is going to be a big, big difference mm-hmm. in PvP, mm-hmm. on PvP servers. Not allowing the following temporary buffs to be applied to weapons above level 165. Enhanced blunt weapon, sharpened blade, consecrated weapon, shadow oil, frost oil, sharpened weapon, minor wizard oil, and minor mana, minor mana oil. Say that ten times fast. Now, you see, this is one of those things that I'm going... Why are they making this change? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Because these are such small things. I mean, these are like, you know, rough sharpening stones level of stuff. I don't see why they're, why it is that these are changing, why they would bother, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, it, it doesn't make sense why they would bother. There must be something that this is trying to prevent. I, <laughs> Battlegrounds, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't understand the logic here. These are all lower level stuff. You can use... You know, they're not saying you can't use higher level mana oil or higher level wizard oil or higher level sharpening stones. This is just the low level stuff. So as I said, I, I, I'm not understanding why you'd even want to use them on a level 165 weapon. The flying machine is having its mat re- mats reduced. Just this is not the epic flying machine. This is the this is just the regular one. The excuse me. The old recipe was two adamantite frames, thirty fell iron bars, eight fell iron bolts, eight star wood, four or five adamantite bars, and four elemental seaforium charges. The new list is two fell iron casing, which equals six. Fell iron bars, 20 elemental blasting powder, which is 5 motes of fire and 10 motes of earth, 
20 handfuls of fell iron bolts, which is 20 fell iron bars, bars, and a star wood. This reduces the recipe by, and someone's going to correct me on this because I probably got something wrong, but this is an approximation. It's going to reduce 13 bars of adamantite, 17 bars of fell iron, one mode of fire, one primal earth, and two modes of earth. That's not much of a reduction, considering that mining this stuff is relatively easy. Well, it is. I think what they're doing is not so much worrying about whether engineers are happy, but bringing the price of making this in line with the price reductions that they're making on regular flying mounts in 3.2. Oh, okay. Because remember, they're reducing the prices on all mounts except for the Epic Flyer. Mm Mm-hmm. And cold water, cold weather riding skill. So they needed to bring the flying machine kind of down into line with approximately what the mats would cost as compared to buying a regular flyer at that level. I'm guessing that's where they were coming from. Because they don't normally just reduce things for engineers out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah. <laughs> Changes to winter grasp are coming. Uh, they're changing the max number of players per side to be 120 to match up with the 3 by 40 raid groups. This should be reflected in the next PTR update. Is that today's or a newer one that they're talking um, about? Should be today's, but um, we'll see. Okay. The winter, is, yeah. the winter grass timer should now be visible in the map view from all continents, not just while in Northrend. Good. Very good. The time until the next battle is also now shown in the Battleground tab of the PvP window. Also good. Yes. Yeah, so if anything, it'll cut down on that spam that you get in, in Dalaran. Yes. When's the next winter grasp? <laughs> ten minutes. And like 50 people say ten minutes. The initial players for a battle are chosen randomly. It doesn't matter when or where you queue from. All right. I love this. Because in other games, you can queue from wherever you are. And I think the reason why they're doing this is because they don't want people to drag their ass all the way to Dalaran only to be denied. Mm-hmm. So they have to do it this way. It's it's the only way that they're going to make everybody happy. Higher level players in the queue have priority to be chosen. Makes sense. Yep, and queued players standing in winter grasp when the battle starts will only be ported out if they were not chosen to be an initial player. Now, we know how the Blizzard random number generator works. <laughs> we're all familiar with the Blizzard random number generator, which seems to pick a particular person every once in a while and screw them. So <laughs> I could see I could see some poor bastard signing on on a Saturday to do winter grasp and being denied... Seven times in a row mm-hmm. in an entire day. I, I yep. can just see that happening. And uh, I don't know what to do about it. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about a random number generator. Yep. I hope that there's a system in place where they say, oh, well, little Bobby has been trying since 3 o'clock this morning. doesn't Let's- sound like it. Yeah. It sounds like if you're level 80, you've got a better... you. You've got a better chance hmm. than someone who's level 79 because it does say that higher level players in the queue will have priority. Now, it doesn't say it, it doesn't come out and say they will absolutely be chosen over, mm-hmm. but it may be that they're, they're, they're given a weight. Yeah. Uh, weight, W E I G H T, not <laughs> W A I T. Uh, that they're that the number on their random number generator is weighted toward success. Yeah. But although I can I can hear the screaming now, if some eighty doesn't get in and discovers that there's level seventy eights in there, I, I would be pissed. Also, I really would be. And some people take winter grasp very seriously. You get a whole day off, and you want to do winter grasp? Yeah. And there's going to be some changes to agility, dodge rating, and the parry rating. Um, basically, all of them are going to have the rating, pre- the amount required per percentage, 
has been increased by 15%. So like the amount of agility required per percentage of dodge, the amount of dodge rating required per percentage of dodge, and the amount of parry rating required per percentage of parry, that's been reduced by 8%. Um, this is before diminishing returns. This combined with other changes, this makes dodge rating and parry rating equally potent before diminishing terms apply. Parry still diminishes more quickly than dodge. Mm -hmm. So, for people who work a lot with agility, dodge, and parry, say, rogues, mm -hmm. um, we may have to pay a little bit more attention to where we're putting our points. Mm -hmm. um, the faction changes are not going to be part of 3.2. But this is some. This is a feature that Blizzard has said that they are going to offer at some point in the future. In the, it is a paid faction change. That makes sense. I don't know if you're going to be able to pick if they're going to transfer you over at some equivalent. I know that there's sort of a a one to one between places like Orgrimmar and Ironforge and Thunderbluff and Darnassus. Um, it would be nice if if you can pick which race you want to be on, and I would think right. that would be the way you they would do it for you. Well, they said there would be some limitations, and I would guess probably it's going to be limited by your class. Mm -hmm. Right now, there are no races, there are no classes where there is not a race. I mean, it's, it's not like the old days when there were no uh, alliance shaman and there were no horde paladins. Right. But there are no human druids. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're a Tauren druid and you want to become Alliance, you would probably be restricted to picking a night elf. Mm -hmm. but, or yeah. if you're a war, if you're a Alliance warrior, you can't pick a blood elf because mm -hmm. the blood elves cannot be warriors. Right. I am guessing it will be something like that. They do say that there will be restrictions. Now, a lot of people have been screaming about this, saying that Blizzard's selling out, that there's no lore reason for this. Well, you know, frankly, there's no lore for a, for a character sex change either. Or anything. All right. Here's what I think. I know a lot of people over the last five years that started on one faction and their friends wind up going to another. Mm-hmm. And they have these level 70s or level 80s that are just sitting there. Mm -hmm. And so why not allow them to just change factions? On a PvP server, I don't know if this is going to be a problem. Did it? I didn't read anything about about limitations if you're on a PvP server. Well, all they said was, they, they haven't come out with a lot of, of details yet. All they said is there will be limitations and restrictions. Mm -hmm. My guess would be that on a PvP server... Your ability to change sides will depend on the balance, such that if you're on one of those extremely lopsided servers, <laughs> where it's, say, like 80% Horde to 20% Alliance, that you won't be able to shift your characters from Alliance to Horde, unless you also change servers. Mm. Cha-ching. And that if you are, but if you're Horde, frankly, on those big servers, they should they should give you a discount for changing to the other side. To be That's in, in actually my true. To give it like a free realm transfer. Yeah. Right. So, actually, it's not but, a bad idea. Yeah, give give people uh, on really unbalanced PvP servers, give people a price break sure. for switching to the other side on the same server, balance things out a little bit more. So. That's, you know, lore reasons, no, there's there's no particular lore reason. But the the issue is you can't do something like the EverQuest 2's Betrayer Quest mm -hmm. in, in World of Warcraft simply because of the language barrier. Right. On, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before because I did this on Ever, in EverQuest 2 where you have a character who's on one side and you do this very long, involved, and expensive quest to switch sides. Mm -hmm. But it's different in EverQuest because ever you can group with anyone, even from people from the other side. You can talk to them. You just can't enter their cities without getting killed. Right. Actually, you don't get killed. You just get kicked out. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah. I thought you got yeah. killed. Well, I think you don't get killed unless you attack somebody. 
But if you don't, if you just walk in, they they just boot you out of the gates. I've gotten I booted see. out of Kinos many times, like, or Freeport rather <laughs> like that. And um, but as I said, there there is a lore thing for switching sides with the way that they built WoW with the language with that hard language barrier. Which I've said it before, I'll say it again. It doesn't make any sense no, that not people anymore. just can't learn. Well, I think that's the way the game's set up. I don't see that changing. That would be such a disruptive change to the world uh, that, frankly, if they ever did that, I might consider finding another game. Really? Oh, yeah. You, you know, you think Barons, t- Barons <laughs> and Trade Chat are bad now? That's a good point. You know, the thing is, is I mean, it was different on places like... In, in EQ and such, where you couldn't necessarily tell from someone's race what side they were on. And um, because so many people had gone through Betrayer quests that you could find, you know, hobbits on the, well, halflings on the evil side. Or I had a, I had a dark elf that I took over and she was, she went to the good side. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't really even tell. On... On WoW, there there really has been fostered and have created a real animosity between Alliance and Horde. And I just think, especially on PvP servers, that that would get that could get really out of hand and very unpleasant. Mm, I'm just a little tired of it. I uh, there are times when I just would really like to talk to somebody on the other side, but I I know that it would kill. The spirit of the game. It's just that, I mean, people talk about role-playing and lore, and really, in five years, nobody's been able to talk to the other side where we've got these these videos of, of people, like high-level people on each faction able to talk to each other. What makes them so damn special? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? If well. you think about it, what makes them so damn special? Okay, okay, so they're leaders. Well, okay, so we've got, like, Two or three leaders on each side, and then a whole bunch of peons. Doesn't seem. Fair. Yeah, the, the one of the <laughs> cinematic. I, yeah, it took me a minute to figure out what you were talking about. Then I realized you were talking about the cinematics. Yeah. Like the cinematics show Thrall talking to uh, Jaina Proudmore. Right. Um, they can talk to each other. So why haven't they passed this wonderful knowledge on to the rest of us peons? Mm-hmm. But I mean, this isn't this isn't about lore. This is about, as you said, people wanting to be with their friends. And they may discover that... Well, I mean, I went through this. When I first moved to Whisperwind, I'd been playing on... I didn't start out in Whisperwind. I'd been playing on Cadgar. And a bunch of us who were interested in podcasts and podcasting started the pod people over on Whisperwind. Right. But back then, even character transfers were not available. This was this was a year and a half before character transfers were available. Mm-hmm. And so I left behind it was capped at 60 at the time, a level 60 warrior whom I'd worked very very hard on and whom I had spent a great deal of time getting her exalted with Orgrimmar back when that was tough. <laughs> Back when that was, you know, farm runecloth for days on end. Now, how I did it with her was I, um, this was when the Gates of Ankaraj event was going on. And I t- farmed rugged leather and turned that in for the Gates event for days and days and days and days. I mean, this was one where, you know, you're a, a you're a undead running around on an orc warg and people are sending you congratulations and tells mm-hmm. all day. Yeah. Cause it was so rare back then and so unusual. And I left her behind. Now, as it happened, we went to a horde server. We had to a horde to a horde guild, mostly because many of the people had already played Alliance. So they wanted mm-hmm. to try horde. Right. But had the option been available, I think there's a lot of people who would have brought over their characters and would have changed, you know, brought their human paladin over and changed them to 
um, you know, in this case, a blood elf paladin, because that's yeah. the choice. Now, they also did say, for those who are wondering, there are quests which are unique to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And there are um, items and there are achievements which are unique to one side or the other. And what they said they would do is they would attempt to match up what people had done to roughly equivalent quests or achievements or whatnot on the other side. The same would go for mounts. If I say, have all of the uh, racial mounts, mm-hmm. then I would, did I, they would change into the racial mounts for the other side. This also makes... Some of the changes that they've been making to the mounts make sense because in the in the first iteration of the patch notes, they had said that they were going to be adding some new racial mounts to different races so that they would all have the same number of mounts. And that they were adding in a special horde-only quest mount, which... One of the things I've often complained about is, is that there is an alliance-only reputation mount that you can get in Winter Sage as a Spectral Tiger. Right. There is no such equivalent horde quest. But they have, if they're going to do this with the faction change down the road, they have to make something that the spect- you say someone's going from alliance to horde, what does that Spectral Tiger turn into? Oh yeah. Hmm. So and do you I want mean, to give that up? Well, you'd have you know you'd have to. It would ha- now it's going to turn into whatever the horde equivalent spect. I th- don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but it's a um, it's some sort of a special horde mount. Yes, that will change. I mean, if you're going from playing a, a gnome to playing an orc, those things are going to change. Hmm. you're not going to be able to keep your Mechano Strider and, and be on your orc. Yeah, you're going to have to put a lot of thought into doing a faction change. You're going to yeah. lose, you're going to lose uh, a lot. Right, but I think that you'll gain a lot. You know, there, there are people who could gain a lot, too. People yeah, you'll, who you'll want you'll to play bounce. on... I have seriously considered, when, the, when this becomes available, mm-hmm. getting my old... Because I've already got an Undead Warrior. I remade the Undead Warrior, and I've got her on Whisperwind. I'm seriously considering taking my old Undead Warrior from, from Cadgar, whom I've never gotten rid of, mm-hmm. and realm transferring her and faction changing her over to human. Just because I haven't played much at the upper level on the Alliance side. And I think Hmm. it would be kind of fun. Give her a give a different perspective. And besides, I don't need two undead warriors. I'm just thinking out loud right here. They're homogenizing both sides. Mm -hmm. You really aren't going to have much of an advantage on either side anymore. Are you except for maybe the racial talents? I think that really the holding thing the thing that keeps people on one side or the other is not racial talents. It's not perceived advantage. It's number one, where are their friends? Mm-hmm. And number two, it's an aesthetic choice. I know somebody... And on, a lore choice. Yeah, I know somebody on uh, on Boulderfest who left behind three level 70s so that she can move over to um, Kalthazad. To be with her friends, and they were, uh, the original characters were on were on the alliance side, and now her new character is on the horde side, and she she really hated giving up those characters. I I hated giving up my my warrior on on Cadgar. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. It's like losing a friend, you know. So I think that a lot of people are going to do this, especially like I said with those characters that they left behind years ago. The, mm-hmm. the the one who wanted to keep their mage and couldn't or bring over their paladin because they couldn't. At first I thought, oh my God, this is, I felt just the same way you did. It's, or not that you did, but what you said is, I thought that's a blizzard selling out. They're, they're giving in to what people wanted. But then I thought, well... That's kind of what they're in business for. Well, yeah, that's, that's it's what they're in business for. But at the same time... 
they're making the the grind from one to seventy as fast as possible. But this is sort of their way of saying, all right, if you don't want to do it and you did the work already in another faction, you can pay us X amount of dollars and you can just transfer over. Mm-hmm. And and this goes again to the theory that I keep stating over and over again is that they just want people to forget the old content. Yeah, I, that's that's another way of looking at it. I I still. Th- feel kind of bad about some of these things because it's it's really try I think really trying to rush people into Northrend. Mm-hmm. And I still think there's some old there's still some life in the old girl as such, you know. There's there's still some the lot of things. I I am one of those sick people who actually enjoys leveling up yeah. characters. Yeah, you're saying I know you I, don't. I, well, just because like I said, I just find that the grind isn't the same grind as it was years ago where you can actually find groups in some of these places. Now you're like, you're, it's like EverQuest. It's like the days that we were in uh, outside Freeport or, um, or the common lands, it used to be packed with people and now there's literally nobody. Yeah. Now, you walk, I, you go into zones. You're the only one you're, in there. Yeah. I went to North Carolina. I kind of like that. Uh, well, you know, I was in North Carolina. North Carolina used to have 40, 50 people in the entire zone at one point. Maybe mm-hmm. more. Now you're like the only one in there. Yeah. And this, this is this game is turning into the same thing. It just took longer. Yeah. It, well, I, I can still remember, you know, on, on EverQuest hanging out at the at the newbie log at Nectalos Forest. The newbie Forest. log. And the East, Com- the East Common Land Tunnel. Um, there was a... Actually, I'm not going to... We're not going to go into this huge thing of... Uh, of yeah, looking back on these games, there's actually a podcast that does that, which I just found recently. Called, really? Uh, the Online Gamers Anthology. Ooh, I'm writing that down. <laughs> and um, the first two episodes were about, you know, what they do is they do retrospectives on old games. Hmm. And the first two episodes were on EverQuest, and they were talking about, you know, some of these things I totally forgot, like sitting near that inn... Um, in one of the Karana, I think it was West Karana, there was an inn that everyone used to hang out at, but there was a giant that used to path by there. Oh, yes. <laughs> in the in the 